universal problems, universal problems, problems that are worldwide. You know, throughout, even in the last uh, 80 years, there's been a lot of universal problems. I think in the 40s, it was World War II, obviously a universal problem. Uh, in the 50s and 60s, with the nuclear arms race, uh, the Soviet Union at the time, and uh, the United States, and the buildup of nuclear weapons, all it took is one nut getting their uh, finger on the wrong button, and we were all going to be glowing. That was a, a problem at the time and a concern. And when I was in college, the AIDS pandemic was spanning the globe, and people were very concerned about uh, getting AIDS, and what that was obviously, uh, the, the result of that was not going to be good. But this morning, we're going to look at a problem that has been around actually longer than any of those things, and it's a manifestation, I think sin's favorite manifestation. Sin is the ultimate problem, but in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, uh, if you come on Sunday nights, you know that is our memory verse for this month. I would stand and have you guys recite it, but I'm not that confident yet uh, that you're ready to do it. But I, I think we see in this passage the most fundamental problem that we have. And let, let's answer that. What is the problem? What is the problem? Okay, you listening? The problem is you. I've been waiting to say that all week. The problem is me. The problem is us. In Galatians 2.20, just the very first part of it, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. God through Paul, Paul is saying there basically that that his self, that his ego, that he uh, had to take a huge shot for him to be who God wanted him to be. We're going to see tonight, if you come back, uh, that one of the great leaders of the early church, one of his problems was self, and it got in the way in his life. And it certainly, Paul struggled with it too. But listen, I I want to tell you today, now I'm I'm going to throw this out and say this. There are maybe five of you who are doing great in this area. We got 350. So that's, the odds aren't good that it's you or me, Correct. There may be five of you that this is not your problem at all, but most of us, this is our problem. It's self. It's, it's selfishness. It's, it's our ego. It's our biggest problem. Someone told me after the first service that if we, we could put in the, uh, a note on our mirror every morning and look at it, and the biggest problem that we have, you are looking at it right now, would help us. Folks, now again, not all, but I want to tell you, a lot of our psychological problems, our emotional issues, not all, certainly not all, but some of them come because we're just so self-centered. Some people say, why, why can't I have friends? Why don't I keep friends? The people in Ruston you just can't be friends with. Let me tell you, that's just not true. The ultimate problem is either you don't care to have friends or you're just so self-centered you can't keep friends. And certainly this is not the only problem, but one huge problem in marriages is self-centeredness, is selfishness. I've, I've been in the workforce many years now. I've been a supervisor. I've been supervised. And I want to tell you, the primary problem in most workplaces is selfishness and self-centeredness. You ask the coaches, what hurts teams more than anything else? It is self-centered people. What is the 
church, and I'm using the church, not just our church, but churches in general, the biggest problems in most churches, it's not theological, it's not a biblical issue, it's selfishness issues. It's self-centered issues. It's about me, my, and mine. And that's what causes us, most of us, the most grief. Teddy Roosevelt was our 26th president. And by everything I've read, he was a great president. He was a, a great leader, outstanding man, a great military man. Here's what one of his children said about him. said, Daddy loved to be the center of attention. When we would go to a funeral, Daddy wished he was the corpse. When we would go to a wedding, Daddy wanted to be the bride. Daddy wanted to be the center of attention. I've never been to a funeral wanting to be the bride or the corpse, but, you know, I think most of us probably would enjoy the attention that both of those two get. Alex Rodriguez, arguably one of the greatest baseball players in the last few years, 2001, he signed the biggest sports contract at that time that had ever been signed. Uh, He can hit with anybody. He can run with anybody. He can feel with anybody. But yet, if you followed his saga over the last few years, he's had lots of trouble. And and one uh, uh, New York writer, David Brooks, said about A-Rod, here's what he said. He said, his biggest problem is he believes his press. He's so self-centered. He's so egotistical. He's lost himself in himself. You know, I'm afraid many of us, the truth is, if we ever got to the center of the universe, we'd be heartbroken that it doesn't revolve around us. Now, I'm trying to be funny, but I want to drive this home. You you can blow this off. Obviously, you can. You can ignore it. You can sleep for the next, whatever, 20 minutes. I'll try to scream every now and then to keep you awake. But if you're interested in what your biggest problem is, for many of us, this is it. It's us. It's us. Now, what's the solution? Finding problems is very important, but finding the solution for most of us is the key. We want to know how in the world can we live beyond ourselves? Why why are we depressed? Why do we quit? Why do we hurt other people? Why do we get hurt? A lot of times it's because we are so self-centered. So what do we do about that? GQ Magazine, and and I don't know if one of you did this. I get GQ Magazine here at the church now. Did one of you turn in a a subscription for that to me? That's fine. I mean, it's great, you know. They've even written me about how I dress when I preach and stuff, and I've, you know, given them pointers. It's a joke. Here's a funnier story. When I was in high school... When I was in high school, you could fill out uh, magazine uh, subscriptions, and you didn't have to pay first. Do y'all remember those days? Nobody had credit cards. And so some guys in my high school sent Playboy magazine to my house. That was real funny, wasn't it, when my mother opened the mail and had a stroke? You know, and then, of course, they spanked me for eight days. Like, I was dumb enough that I was going to get that sent to my house. So if you send Playboy to the office, we will track you down, and we will get you for that. Please don't do that. But GQ Magazine, in December of last year, they, uh, they interviewed Matthew McConaughey. And I've been told, besides the hair, the face, and the body, I look like him. Matthew McConaughey was asked, what is the key to success? Listen to what he said. He said, it's about you. McConaughey said, you've got to be selfish. You gotta, it's about you and what you can do for you. <laughs> Interestingly enough, 
A few pages farther in the magazine, they interviewed a writer who was named by GQ, the life coach of the year, a guy named George Saunders. And they asked George, what is the key to success? Here's what he says. It's not about you. It's forgetting you. It's getting over yourself. In verse 20, Jesus says through Paul, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He says this, that that figuratively what needs to happen in your life and my life is there needs to be a funeral. There needs to be a death, a death to ourself. Now, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. The New Testament was written in the Greek, and the Greek language never says anything different than the English Bible. Your English Bible is 100% accurate and, and perfect and wonderful. But, but here's the, it gives a little more flavor occasionally. Here's what it says about dying to yourself. It says, my ego will no longer be in control. What does it mean to die to yourself? It doesn't mean that you disrespect yourself. You become a doormat, it means that your ego will no longer be in control of your life. Wow. Wouldn't that shake things up? When Jesus went to the cross, folks, he died physically. He had a physical break with life. He was dead. Now, we believe he certainly came back to life. But symbolically, what he's saying here is you and I need a death to ourselves, to our ego. Let me tell you what it means. It means dying to, I have to control everything. It means dying to, I have to win every time. It means dying to, I have to be right. It means dying to, my opinion ought to be in the Bible next to the Ten Commandments. It means dying to, it's got to be my way or the highway. See, to die to self is not some mystical thing out here. It means that you put your ego, your selfishness, your self-centeredness, that's what you are dying to is what God says here. Vance Havner was a great preacher in the 20th century. And he he said one time, he said, we talk about self-examination a lot, and self-examination is important, but he said the Bible talks a lot more about (laughs) self-execution, about dying to ourselves. I don't know uh, all of you in here personally, but I know that you're a lot like me, and I know the thing that needs to happen in your life just like it needs to happen in my life. There needs to be a big death to ourselves. Years ago in Boone, North Carolina, WATA Radio ran a daily column on the air, a funeral obituary column. Have any of you ever heard an obituary radio column? In the first service, a few people had. I, I never have. I'm sure this was back in the day when a lot of people didn't have TV, so it was either the newspaper or the radio. And so every day, like 5 o'clock, there'd be funeral music, you know, the organ. And, and then, the, you know, some guy, I'm sure, in a very solemn voice would get on there and go, Yesterday, you know, we had four people pass away in our county. And and one day, I'm sure it was a slip, but the guy gets on the air and he says this, I'm sorry to report there are no deaths in Watauga County in the last 24 hours. (laughs) Don't you know? He went, I can't believe I said that. Listen, here'd be be a terrible thing this morning for for us to leave here today without there being a lot of deaths. Now, I don't mean physical, obviously. I just mean it would be tragic today for us to leave here without many of us dying to our egos and our self-centeredness and our selfishness. So here's the next thing. How do we do it? 
the how. You know, the solution is dying to ourselves. How do we pull this off is absolutely very simple. It's just painstakingly hard. When Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, everybody 2,000 years ago knew exactly what that meant. That probably meant, just like it meant when we understand Jesus' crucifixion, it meant being flogged. It meant being held down and being nailed through your wrist to the cross. It meant being held down and being nailed through your ankles to the cross. It meant having that cross set in place, probably dislocating one or both of your shoulders when the cross was set, and it meant hanging there brutally until probably you suffocated. Sometimes people would uh, live two or three days on the cross. So when they heard this, it was, ugh, because they knew they knew what he was talking about wasn't complicated, but that it was going to be tough. And to die to yourself is painful. It's painful. That's why people don't want to do it. And, and there's two aspects. One aspect is supernatural. It's the God part, that, that God has to do his part for this to happen. God's willing to do his part. The second part is a personal choice. It's your, your choice and mine. Let me give you three steps involved in dying to ourselves. Number one, it's becoming a Christian. Some of you may say, well, you know, I understand that, yada, yada, yada. No, no, most of us don't. When he said in verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The verb used there is talking about a past action that has a, a continuing result. He's talking about not just, well, I've been baptized, I've been sprinkled, I joined the church, I believe in Jesus, but he's talking about an experience where a man or a woman or a young person comes to a point in their life where they they bow their heart to Christ, and it's so radical, the Bible says they are born again. And when that happens, that is the beginning point when you begin to die to yourself. Now, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm trying to be honest. The problem with many of us is that we know about Jesus here, but we don't know Jesus here. And the reason self reigns in our life so strongly is is because Christ has never come into our heart. You have to be born again for this process to begin. But here's the second part of it. Some of us need a huge come back to Jesus experience. I mean, we need a major league come back to Jesus experience in our life. Yes, you've been saved, but through the years you've taken back control of your life. You've quenched the Holy Spirit. God hasn't ruled in your life in a while. And, and when, listen, when God's not ruling, something is. And most of us, that's going to be S-E-L-F. It's going to be self is going to rule in our life. And what needs to happen with many of us today, whether it's at the altar or where you're standing, is it needs to be a huge comeback to Jesus experience in our lives. But lastly, I want to tell you, this is a daily thing. This is to choose daily you choose this. He says in the whole verse, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The word faith there means trust and dependency. And what what he's saying is, as you are saved by faith and trust and dependency in Christ, you continue to live for Jesus by faith and trust and commitment to Jesus Christ. 
In Luke 9, 23, talking about this, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. And what does he say? Take up his cross. How often? Daily and follow me. You see, when you got saved, you're still a person. And you still have a sinful nature. And you still have that in, in inherent selfishness and self-centeredness. And it's a daily choice. Listen, God's saying, I want you to choose daily to put me on the throne of your life. I want you to choose daily to put God first, to put others second, to put yourself in, in the secondary place. I want you to choose daily to put the team and the family above yourself. It's a daily choice to choose to put Christ first. You know, identity theft is a major problem in our country today where someone breaks into your, your computer information or somehow gets your, your social security number or other information and all of a sudden they become you and they begin to buy all kinds of things and then you spend the next 50 years paying it off. This is a good identity swap Christ is saying here. He's saying, I, I don't want you again to, to cease to exist, to become a doormat. But I want to live in you. I want to take over you and to live out of you. This is the solution. To choose to let Jesus Christ rule and reign over your ego, over your opinions, over your selfishness, over yourself, first and foremost. And let me give you the last thing, and that's the results. What happens when we choose this? I'm going to tell you one big thing. You find the life you really want. Now, you need to listen to this. This is how you find what you really want. That's a tough verse. Crucified with Christ, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. What happens when you make a choice to give your life to Christ, to follow him, to push your ego, your opinions, your control. Got to have my way. I got to run the family. I got to run my husband. I got to run my wife. I've got to dominate and control everything. What happens when you say, I'm dying to that and I'm going to let Jesus live? This is how you find what you're looking for. Every person here that is sane and normal wants to be happy. You want to be fulfilled. You want joy in your life. And you're chasing everything else to find it. It's found in sex. No, it's not. It's found in money. No, it's not. It's found in drugs. It's found in drinking. It's found in partying. No, it's not. It's found in Christ on his terms. And when you let Christ live in you and through you, this is how you find what you're looking for. In Mark 8, 35, listen to what Jesus says. This is the paradox of it. Whoever wants to save his life loses it. Whoever loses his life for me and the gospel will save it. That can certainly mean a literal physical death there. But I think, too, it's talking about living. Jesus is saying, you want to live and you're holding on to control. You want to run things. And the world tells you this is how you find life. Money, power, control sex, being a big shot, doing what you want to do. And Jesus said, no, life is found when you give up and let him run you. That's when you find what you're looking for. Listen, I'm old enough. I've seen enough train wrecks of lives of people who have chased after what they wanted. When you stop chasing that and let God have you, that's when you find what you're looking for. Jesus said the paradox is give it up to me. Then you find what you're looking for. 
In Mark chapter 10, I, I love Peter because Peter always asks the question. Peter doesn't keep his big yap shut. He's always going to ask what all of us are thinking. Jesus had said all this hard stuff, and you know everybody's going, oh, my goodness. And Peter says, hey, 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 by the way, we've left everything to follow you. Is it going to pay off? Here's what Jesus says, I tell you the truth. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children, that's adult children, are fields for me and the gospel will will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mother, children, and fields, and with them persecutions, he could have left that out, And in the age to come, eternal life. Here's what Jesus says. Follow me. Die to yourself. Let me have you. Let me live through you. Not only are you going to go to heaven someday, everything you give up, all the power, all the control, all the money you forfeit by following me, I'm going to bless you a hundredfold. That doesn't mean necessarily in Cadillacs and Rolls Royces. That means in here. That means anything you give up for Christ, listen, you you throw it out, he's going to throw it back. He just got a lot bigger bucket than you do. You can't outgive God. God says, you want the life you're looking for, it's found in losing yourself in Christ. Many of you know who Stephen Colbert is. I don't know much about him. I don't know anything about his religious life. He's a Roman Catholic, and I think he's an active Catholic. But I, I don't know anything about him. I just know he's, he's well-known. And when David Letterman retires next year, Colbert's taking his place. So he's obviously he's very popular. He had a great quote recently. He was asked, what is success to him? And he said, success for me is when we do a show and it's a hit. And it goes great, and it gets great reviews. And nobody cares who gets the results. Nobody cares who gets the attaboys. Nobody remembers who wrote the jokes or who came up with the funny stories. The true success is when it's over and we all embrace each other and say, man, wasn't it awesome? That's what Jesus is talking about here. There was a a man named Sam who became a Benedictine monk. If you think your life is disciplined, become a Benedictine monk. After several years of going through, I guess, monk school, monk training, (laughs) he was getting ready to take his final vows. Now, folks, listen, this is interesting. So here was the final step of Brother Sam becoming a, a, a full-fledged monk. They had the service in the chapel there at the monastery. He is going someday to be have his funeral in this chapel. He's going to be buried in the graveyard, unless there's big changes, right outside of the chapel. So the last part of his vows, as they laid a table out, the very table that his body will be laid on someday when he dies. He laid on the table, and the leaders came, and they took the literal death shawl 
that they will cover his body and put him in the casket with someday, and they put it over him. And for a few minutes, there was no singing, no speaking, no Bible reading. It was completely solemn. And then the chapel bells told, told the, the funeral ring. And then when they stopped, the leaders came. And they took the death shawl off of <clears throat> Brother Sam and they had him stand up. And they said, now that you have died to you, you're ready to live. Symbolic but beautiful. This morning, I wish we could uh, have some caskets down here to do this ourselves. be a little creepy, but it'd be good. What needs to happen in your life, in my life, probably more than anything else, is a death to ourselves. Will you today? Let's pray.